Today is prayer and worship Sunday. Every Sunday is prayer and worship Sunday. Today is particularly prayer and worship Sunday because we believe that everything that we do as a church, everything that we long for God to do in our lives and for Him to do through us is fueled by our prayer and our worship. And today's passage is Luke chapter seven, verses 36 to 48. It will come up on the screens behind me or you can read it in the Blue Bibles in front of you. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. I wanna speak to you today about what it means to have a heart of worship. And we can learn much from this woman about what it means to have a heart of worship. The first thing we can learn is that we worship with a whole heart. When I was a teacher in Australia, I used to teach at a secondary school linked with the Australian Institute of Sport. And one of my classes was full of 16 to 17 year old boys who were the best teenage footballers in the country. Now, despite my very obvious sporting prowess, I was not teaching them football, I know. I was teaching them English and trying to teach these boys literature and language was perhaps the most difficult thing I have ever done or will likely ever do in my career. And I remember one particular day, they were so disruptive, so defiant, so devilish. 
I was beyond exasperated and I slumped down into my chair. I could feel my cheeks becoming hot. I could feel the tears forming in the back of my eyes and I could feel myself willing, Lord, take me now. I'm ready to go. And after the class, I went back to the staff room and I threw my head on my hands and I started to cry, which was serious because most teachers schedule their crying for a Friday night over a bottle of wine. And as I'm crying, I hear a knock at the door and I look up and two of my boys are standing sheepishly in the doorway. Uh, miss, um, can we come in? It's may we come in, not can we come in. And no, you may not. And they said, well, it's just that, miss, um, we've, got, we've got something we'd like to say to you. And I said, this is the only safe space for me. I'm not about to let you come in here and ruin it with your lingering scent of adolescence and cheap Lynx deodorant. Whatever you have to say, you can say it from the doorway. <laughs> and they said, well, it's just that, miss, um, we think we might have upset you. And like, not just as a teacher, but as a girl. <laughs> mm. And well, Miss Weed, we just wanna say sorry. I said, thank you. Then the other one piped up and he said, yeah, like, Miss, the thing is, like, we're gonna play football, so we don't really need to, like, learn how to read books and stuff. But sometimes, we just need to remember, you're not just a teacher. You're a person, a person with a heart. Sometimes we need to remember that we're people with a heart. I think modern culture has developed to cause us to think that we are what we think, that the center of a person is their intellect or their mind. In fact, I would say the center of a person is their heart. And this is not about emotionalism or romanticism. Our hearts are not just our feelings. Our hearts are where our desires rest, our passions, our deepest wants, our longings. And so many of us live our lives disconnected from our hearts. And so we try to fill our conscious minds with more information, thinking that that is the path to human flourishing. But we're not just thinking beings, we're desiring beings. St. Augustine famously wrote, you have made us for yourself, O Lord and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. As we encounter God through prayer and worship, our restless hearts find their rest. Our deepest desires, our deepest longings are expressed and formed. 
The act of this woman, this was an act of wholehearted worship. This was not a silly woman with an intense crush. This was a woman who was the only person in a room full of the religious elite who recognized who Jesus truly was. The only woman, the only person who recognized that it was Jesus that offered her freedom from her shame, healing from her brokenness, a welcome where she'd never known a welcome before and she could not help but be compelled to offer something of herself in response. Oh, that we would have hearts that are compelled to do the same. That when we catch a glimpse of who Jesus is, the beautiful, majestic King of heaven who gave his life, poured out all of who he was, even unto death on the cross. How could we not be compelled to offer something of ourselves in return? And not with a golf clap, not with a courteous email from your EA, thanks so much, not with a like, with the whole of our hearts. We worship with the whole of our hearts. We also worship with humility. In the early hours of New Year's Eve, I woke up to a string of messages in a group chat that I share with some of my school friends in Australia. They said things like, we can't come to the party because we're getting the house ready because we might need to evacuate. And another message said how one of my friends had spent the whole day on the beach, wrapped in a wet towel with her baby, ready to run into the ocean, just in case the heat became too strong. The next day I woke up to another series of messages, and this time there were photos and videos of houses destroyed by fire, including those of my friends, and other houses still on fire, of charred gum trees and burnt orange skies. There were also messages from my parents who live in Canberra, and they were saying that they were finding it difficult to breathe because of the thick layer of smoke that covered their city. Canberra's not on the coast, so when I was growing up in the summer, we used to drive down to the beaches on the south coast of New South Wales. We'd go to beaches like Browley and Mogo and Rosedale. And they were like sheltered sanctuaries. The beautiful Australian bushland enclosed them. So you could be in the ocean and you could turn around and look back at the shoreline and hear the sound of kookaburras and cockatoos and see the gum trees swaying in the wind. Those places are all devastated now, never to be the same. And to be honest, my first response to all of this, it was anger. It was anger and then it was heartbreak and then it was fear and then it was anger again. <laughs> Truthfully, my first response was like, I'm about to troll some climate change denying politicians on Twitter, let me tell you. I didn't, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't really want to. 
the prayer check. All I could do, really, was just weep. I just cried, and every now and then, I would say, Lord, would you please have mercy? Sometimes we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans beyond words. That's what Paul says in Romans 8. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. The woman got down low to her knees and she let her hair, her crowning glory, fall loose. And she let her tears land on Jesus' feet. Her weeping became her worship. And there are times in prayer and worship where we approach God with confidence and joy and we declare our gratitude and our awe and our wonder. And then there are times in prayer and worship where we drop our mind, our head to our hearts and we bow down low, humbly to our knees. We take the crown of our intellect, how we think things should be done, and we surrender our need for control, for justice, for the right response according to our assessment. And we don't try to compose ourselves or engage our stiff upper lip or snap ourselves into the appropriate religious response. We let what's in our heart come to the surface and we offer that, if only that, to Jesus as an offering. And Jesus' response in return, it's not one of offense or disgust. He didn't turn to the woman and say, sort yourself out, babe, you're a hot mess. Simon, who was professionally spiritual, he said, this is inappropriate. This is irrational, it's too emotional, it's too intense. But Jesus turned to him and said, do you see this woman? She's doing what you couldn't be bothered to do. She has shown great love. And then he says to her, your sins are forgiven. He offers more of himself in response, more of his mercy, more of his grace, more of his love in return. And her life is radically transformed. C.S. Lewis wrote, the allegorical sense of this great action, the one we've read about, it dawned on me the other day. The precious alabaster box which one must break over the holy feet is one's heart. And the contents become perfume only when it's broken. While they are safe inside, they are more like sewage. 
our greatest offering, the alabaster jar that we have to offer, it's our hearts. We have alabaster hearts that we offer to Jesus, lowered and with humility. The other thing, the final thing that we learn from this woman is how to worship with devotion. This woman crashed a party of the religious elite. She really risked her life in doing so, but she was focused on one thing and one thing only, and that was Jesus. And you might read a story like this and you might think, I want to want Jesus like that, I do but I don't really know how. I'm a millennial, so I'm easily distracted. <laughs> I've been formed by technology, and I find it really difficult to focus sometimes. I want to want to focus on my work, but sometimes I get so distracted by other things, mainly people. And recently, I've been using an app to help me stay focused. It's an app called Forest. So what I do is I open the app on my phone and I set a timer and then I put my phone away and I focus on the task at hand. If I were, sorry, whilst that's happening, a small tree is beginning to grow. However, if I were to pick up my phone and begin mindlessly scrolling through social media, the tree dies. But if I remained focused enough, then the tree builds into a lush and beautiful forest. Because even though I'm an adult, for me to actually do anything, it has to be turned into a game. <laughs> And uh, when I first started using this, I killed a lot of trees, which in the current climate emergency doesn't feel good. But I'm devoted to improving my focus, and as I do that, I'm getting better. My regular practice of building a virtual forest is shaping in me the desire to be focused, a desire that becomes greater than my desire for distraction. And if we desire to desire Jesus and maintain this desire, we must engage in regular practices that form and nurture that desire within us. And this includes offering to Jesus what I would suspect is all of our most valuable possession, our time. It's offering our time with devotion in the practice of prayer and worship, believing that the practice itself will shape and form within us a desire to keep on doing it. And that's why we do this stuff regularly. That's why we come to Sunday services. We pray and worship in our connect groups each week. We come to something like Kingdom Come. It's why we're inviting you, if you're not able to, to be a part of those things, to join us at 7 a.m or 7 p.m. every single day this week, whether you're with us in the 24-7 prayer room or whether you're doing it on your commute, in your office or at home. We're inviting you to devote something of yourselves, your time to prayer and worship. We devote ourselves tenaciously to intimacy and intercession, even when we don't feel like it, 
even when it's boring, even when we'd rather be asleep or at the pub, because the practice of prayer and worship itself is forming and reforming a desire within us towards God and to his kingdom. We train our imagination to see what the immeasurably more of God could look like, and then we wait and watch attentively for him to do something even better. We form within ourselves the desire to desire, and the desire only grows as we see more and more of who Jesus is. We worship with devotion. Through prayer and worship, we connect with God, we connect with each other, and we connect to the biggest story of God's mission in the world. Our prayer and worship is both an expression of how Jesus has brought transformation to our lives, but it's also a declaration of how he has and he will bring transformation to our church, to our city, to our nation, even to the world. When the woman anointed Jesus with perfume, she could not have done that without also getting some of that perfume on herself. Which meant that when she walked out of that room into the streets amongst people, she would have carried the fragrance of her offering with her. She became a walking, encount- walking example of an encounter with God. Our prayer and worship doesn't just end here. Jesus sends us out to pray and worship with our hands and our feet to bring the transformation of Jesus to those who most need it. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. We learn from this woman how to worship with our whole heart, how to worship with humility, and how to worship with devotion so that Jesus may be seen by all for who he truly is, our great and beautiful Savior. Amen.